Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Homo Sapiens podcast. How are we all? Um, what's what's looking up? What's looking down? Um, what's new in your worlds? What news have you got for me? How can I tell unless you email in? Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Um, we'll head to emails in a minute. Oh, Uber Eats notification. Estimated arrive seven minutes time. I'm having a Thai curry, because it's night time, and I'm having jasmine rice, and then I'm having prawn dumplings. Um, and I'm extremely excited about it, because the food, here I am in Australia, in case I hadn't mentioned it, I'm in Australia. The food here is so amazing. Every place I've ever been is so delicious. I went to a restaurant called Rick Shaw's in Burley Heads in the Gold Coast, where I think I had the best meal of my life. If you haven't heard of it? Google it. Have a look at it. It is, I'm going to say life-changing. But anyway, we've got a very lovely episode of Homo Sapiens today because we've got my old pal Nick Grimshaw on the show. Nick Grimshaw and I started out as interns together at MTV and we uh, we talk all about that and our funny memories of MTV and how Grimmy was tells such funny stories about working there and how he used to like turn up really late and never did any work and I was always so incredibly proud of him for how he went on and did such amazing things. He has always had this beautiful personality that everybody is drawn to. He is so kind, he is so funny, he's so warm. It's just been such a joy to watch how everything that's happened for him, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. And we, you know, we talk about really interesting, like talking about his book that he wrote, Soft Lad, which I loved, and how far he's come, I suppose. You know, he's very, very honest about the things that he struggled with himself growing up and soft lad that's why that's the title because he didn't like being what you would consider a soft lad and I feel like he's now well he talks about this you know like actually that's kind of the best thing about him it's a really funny chat because Grimmy uh just makes me laugh like nobody else I adore him and anyone who doesn't know who who or what Grimmy is um for the uh, uninitiated. He's a radio DJ. He was the host of the Radio 1 Breakfast Show for many years. He's all, Grimmy has also got his own podcast, Dish, and another one with Annie Mac, Side pa- uh, Sidepacked? Sidetracked, although I'd listen to Sidepacked. So he is a multi-talented gentleman. Um, hey, ad-free listening people. 
If you want to listen to this here podcast with no adverts, klaxon, repeat, no adverts, all you have to do is go to your Apple Podcasts app, go to the uh, Homo Sapiens homepage, and the option to subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus for £1.49 a month is there, which is, you know, what is that? It's about a twentieth of the cost of a pint. <laughs> Thanks to Liz Truss. There's also a seven-day free, free trial available, so you can try before you buy, which I often do, mainly at the pick-and-mix counter. Now, have you listened to last week's episode with the brilliant William Hansen? People, you love etiquette. It seems that our clips with him went viral. He answered all of the listener question etiquette tips and it kicked off. We've had lots of correspondence on two things. First, how to get your guests to leave after a party. William's advice was, can I get anyone anything else? And you've been writing in to tell us your versions. Michael says, the Duchess of Devonshire. It's getting very, very high end, this podcast right now. The Duchess of Devonshire used to get up from the table after Sunday lunch and say, I can't thank you all enough for coming. Michael, I love that. More, I'm going to be trying to be more, channel a bit more Duchess in my daily life. Solomon says, do the adult thing and call the cops on your own party. Solomon, love this. Also, Solomon, I want to come to your parties. Secondly, you have gone wild over Christmas card etiquette. Oh, now I need to buy some Christmas cards. I'm going to send them here from Australia. Might do postcards, sunny ones with like a snowman on the beach with sunglasses on. Are you sending them this year or not, people? Can you write in and tell us? You tell us what you think and also tell us how you get rid of your guests. Should you feel obliged to send them to people who you, who you don't receive them from? Gentleman in Japan says, I love Christmas card giving. Fun fact, here in Japan, we don't really give Christmas cards, but we do New Year's cards. Interesting. Craig Thomas says, gave up sending cards 10 years ago. A blessed relief. Craig, do write in. Tell us what you do with all your spare time uh, that has been freed up by no cards. Cookie Nam Nam says, give them three years is a very generous attitude. Yes. Mm, I wish I could remember who sends me cards or not. Can I just say, I love getting a Christmas card. So there you go. Lucy says, I love sending and receiving Christmas cards. However, this year with the cost of stamps, I'm a bit reluctant to send loads out. I'm going to be a little bit more selective as it's really expensive this year. 80p per first class stamp. Yes, that is so true. They've gone up so much. I'm not afraid of a second class stamp. I'll just say that. My grandmother, I think, used to reuse stamps, which I just think is amazing. Now, let's go chat to Grimmy. I love him, and this is a wonderful chat. Here we go. And while that happens, I'm going to go downstairs and pick up my Uber Eats. Angela has five, who I do the podcast with, who I do Dish With, has five restaurants, well, four restaurants, and then she has a fifth one for winter in the Alps. (laughs) So she's trying to run five restaurants. And um, when she signed up to do Dish, she didn't read the email properly. She thought she was the guest. <laughs> so when she turned up... She was like, they're paying me quite a lot to Yeah, do she was like, pretty good money for a one-off. <laughs> and um, she turned up and thought she was the guest. Oh, my God. And was like, why is such a buddy here? Oh, no. And they are next. I was like, huh? Yeah. And then if I have too many people in the day, it ble- it like sort of bleeds into each other. <laughs> so I think like Kirsty Young's Miriam Margulies. <laughs> and like, I can't remember who... Did Kirsty Young fart? That's yeah, do you know the... what I mean? I'm like, which one was that? Yeah, we had we had six in two days. So it's quite a lot uh, of stuff to take on, isn't it? And also, how many meals are you eating then? Six in so... two days, cooked by a Michelin star chef. And the secret is butter. <laughs> 
loads of butter. My friend who um, has a catering company, he's like, uh, just put loads of butter in everything. Yeah, that's everything. that's just butter and cream. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my god, these eggs are so nice. What's that? And she's like, full fat cream and butter. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll do it. You've become a bit of a chef these days. I love it now. Walk me through that. I think it was doing it with Angela. Right. Made me love it. Because she's Michelin starred, but also her best bit of advice she said to me was, it's just a bit of food, isn't it? Oh. She's like, don't stress yourself out. Throw it in the bin if it's wrong. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to get so worked up about it. Yes. Or if people were coming for dinner, I'd be like, make sure it's perfect. She's like, no one cares. She said, honestly, no one remembers what they've ever eaten at your house. I was like, that's true, actually. No, it is true. She said, you don't go to your friend's house and be like, what do we think of that pasta when you got home? You just eat it. Me and William, my yeah. husband, had... It just On Sunday, we had people around for like a Sunday lunch. <laughs> it's like... We cannot have an argument about this, like, and still yet manage to. Because he was like, there were nine people coming. Mm-hmm. He was like, you've bought two chickens for nine people. What's yeah. the matter with you? Yeah. And I was like, that's fine, that's fine, isn't it? Yeah. He was like, you need four chickens. I was like, no, that's nearly a chicken each. <laughs> no. Exactly. And then he made me go out and get more carrots. Mm -hmm. I'd bought like two kilos of carrots. And then loads of leftovers. But yeah, they're still there. And it's like, by the end of it, I was like, I, because he was just asking for more. And I was like, we've just lost all perspective. I was just filling the little basket with courgettes. I was like, what? I don't, there is no maximum that he could, you know, agree to Uh, here. So he roasted the whole lot. We ate 4% of it. And everyone was full. Yeah, totally. I did the same on Sunday because I can't, figure out when I'm in the shop what a bag of carrots translates to on a plate. Well, because everything shrinks. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, that? But who does the cooking then? Me. I cook. Mish cleans. He hates cooking. That, that's interesting. Hates it and I hate cleaning. I do the... all cooking. Really? Yeah. So William... I don't think he'd eat if I didn't live there. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just, he wouldn't think, maybe I'll eat some nice food. He'd just be like, just probably just wait it out until something happens. <laughs> Wait till someone puts a, a, a leaflet through the door yeah, with a pizza. Maybe I'll order a pizza. <laughs> I don't think you would. I so we have this thing where so I do all the cooking, uh-huh. like boring cooking in the house. Like, yeah, what's, yeah. what are we all eating this week? But if people come round, because William's a control freak, in my opinion, it's fine. He doesn't listen. Mm. Um, he will do like the showboating. So when people oh, okay, come round, yeah, yeah. so then people call me lazy. They're like, "Why do you never cook?" When they come round, they're like, "You've never cooked a thing when I've come to your house." And I'm like, "I cook." Yeah, because I'm exhausted <laughs> for the six prior days of I cook cooking. Ninety nine percent of the meals, and then he does the cleaning because I'm not very good at that. But it is a good division of labour. Yeah, I think that's good. He loves cleaning, which I don't can't relate to. But I like the house really clean. Yes. So it's perfect for me, really. Your house looks amazing. He loves cleaning. And <laughs> he will make the bed. And I think it's because he trained as a ballet dancer. It's a bit militant. Yes. So when he, like, gets out of bed, he'll make the bed. That's not just to do with ballet, though. That's just normal. <laughs> That's just normal. <laughs> Everyone else. You're like, you never guess this thing you learned at ballet God, school. God, yeah, he makes the would bed. Would you not make the bed? I would make the bed, but I wouldn't get out of bed and make the bed. I'd make it like, you know, I'd go and have breakfast, I'd have a shower. Oh, right, and right, And I'd right, make yes. it like before I leave the house rushed. Yes. Whereas he gets out and makes it. And I'd make it like... While you're in there. I'd like make, you know, put the duvet on and the pillows. He like gets everything off, like <gasps> tightens the bottom sheet, bangs everything. Oh, I love that. You know, like, you know he really, really goes for it. Um, 
you said such a lovely thing in your book. You talked about you and me, what was it, having Julie's? Yeah, Julie's. Feeling Julie's, having Julie's? You have Julie's. Okay, what are they? you feel Julie-ish. I don't even know. And I think if someone else was talking about this, it'd ick me out and I'd probably hate them. (laughs) So feel free to hate me. I think it's lovely. Um, I don't know where it came from. And it's just a term of endearment that we call each other Julie. Mm. So we both refer to each other as Julie. Like, you know, if, if I've made a cup of tea, I'm like, Julie, yeah. tea's ready or yeah. whatever. And I don't, we both don't know when it began. And then now we'll do it. Like if we've both got busy days, I'll be like, oh, don't worry. When you get home, I'm feeling pretty Julie-ish. Or he'll be like, oh, I can't wait to get home. Really need some Julie's. <laughs> it's been a really stressful day. But we don't really know what it is. I think it's just a language for, or a code word for us two just hanging out together. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice though. Yeah, but it's not there's not a specific act. It's yes. if you're like cozy, you're Julie-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but God knows where it came from or who Julie is. Yeah. In uh, me and my husband <laughs> equally embarrassing, but uh we'll call it a Kosberg. So if you want to just hang out at home, be like, I think we'll just have a Kosberg. A Kosberg, yeah. yeah. I like committing to that as an activity. Oh, yeah. And rather than being like, oh, there's nothing to do. It's a boring night in. Like, I like being like, no, on Thursday night, we're being cosy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> is that watching telly or is that just, you know, eat like nothing? Uh, yeah, like telly or just even just happily not talking to each other. Really? Like, we both have jobs where we're around a lot of people all day. So I used to really struggle just sitting in silence with anyone because mm. it just made me feel of like dead air on the radio. And I'd be <laughs> like, I must fill it and talk to about anything, even if it's really boring. Yeah. So I love that we can just go home and, you know, see how our days go, but then happily just show up and be That's on so separate nice. ends of the sofa and he, you know, can be reading and I'm reading or we've got music on or someone's upstairs, you know. Do you read or are you on your phones? I'm trying to read more. I always used to love reading. I was an avid reader when I was young um, and a teenager. And then it, I it, that phased out when Name. I got an iPhone, if, yeah. if I'm honest. like it, Now I find it really hard and I had to train myself. And at the beginning of 2021, mm. I was like, this is bad. Like I can't concentrate on reading. Yeah. And when I wrote my book, I wanted it to be what I can digest, which is sort of um, supplements at the weekend. That's my optimum <laughs> oh, yeah, amount of time of reading. Yeah. Like, 15 minutes or something and like ah, that's done and now I want a new subject yeah so that's my optimum reading like on the weekends I'll read every single weekend supplement so I really actively tried addressed my reading issue mm. so I had to to get me back into it which was really bad someone told me to do this I think it was my therapist which is technically not a therapy <laughs> therapist's job teach me how to read but she was like tick off the paragraphs so that when you tick it off, even though that feels really juvenile, tick them off so that then when you go and pick the book up next time, you're like, it's not overwhelming. I'm not like, oh, I've got to read this book. I'm like, yeah. oh, I've read all that. So that's how, that's how it got me back into it. So did you sit there with a little pen? I don't do it now, but that's how I like had to get back into sitting reading. Mm. But I'm reading David Sedaris at the moment. Oh. And it, it's so, so funny. Calypso. I'm oh, reading. yeah. And it is so funny. And what you were saying about you doing the Sunday roast, there's a really good bit where he talks about <laughs> when him and his husband have visitors and mm. on the way to the train station, like they live in, I think, in Sussex, on the way yes. to the train station. 
he says to his husband, right, when the guests come in, just pretend we're in a perfect relationship for the entire weekend. <laughs> so when I tell a story, just pretend you've not heard it. And when you serve me fish I don't like, I'll pretend not to hate it. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. It's, uh, you know, he picks up litter for two hours yeah. a day. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. Because he got a Fitbit and then oh, got yes. obsessed with steps and then picks up loads of litter. He's a true eccentric. Love him. I love yeah. him. Yeah, and, and I thought when I was writing my book, I, I was like, this is hell. <laughs> and then when it was done, I was like, oh my God, it's done. Yeah. And then you have the nice bit of people reading it and messaging you. Mm. And then I was like, right, well, that's done. And now reading Calypso's made me think, maybe I could, maybe I could get the old pen out and write again. Yeah. Because it's well, just that's... so conversational and yes. so him, isn't it? It's just stories only he can tell. The way he can do, like, exactly, like, family arriving for lunch and turn it into, like, this yeah. hysterical, uh -huh. like, farcical story, but it's also really true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, that has happened to me. Why uh, didn't yes. I write Why it down? Why didn't I write David Sedaris's book? I yeah. think it's hilarious. <laughs> I obviously own Calypso, but have not read it. Uh -huh. <laughs> because that, that would... <laughs> well, I own all his others and have not read any of the others. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But you say so you're weaning yourself off your phone. That's I'm really good. trying to. I'm trying to wean. Do I remember stuff you off. having a BlackBerry for some reason? Yeah, I always used to love a BlackBerry. It's uh, there were certain people who got them because you had a big one. I had a big BlackBerry yes. that you could you could you know you had to use both hands to yeah, type on it. Yeah. It had a QWERTY keyboard. Yes. Yeah. And do you remember when the iPhone came out? You're like tapping on glass, never going to work. Was like, never going to happen. I know. I was like, I'm never going to get an. Apple phone. <laughs> I was like, Blackberries forever. I wish we could all get Blackberries back. I loved them. I know. BBM. BBM. Oh you my God, BBM? that was the messenger system, and you'd right? And you say, like, add me. Would you add people on BBM? I think. But you were a big MySpacer as well, weren't yeah. you? Actually, do you know what? That is my first memory of you. So what, me on MySpace? You on MySpace. And I've just remembered that. So people might not know, me and Grimmy were interns together at MTV. And I remember when you started mm. and i remember you were just on myspace the entire time i don't no. think you ever worked right you were i remember you were so naughty i was so bad <laughs> i'd never had a job i I'd, and i didn't know how to behave in the office mm. so i thought it was all right to 
like just come in at like half ten. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 you're the intern, so you need to get in early and get everything sorted out. Oh and would just God. thought it'd be okay to be on MySpace. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. When I look back at that, I say to a friend of ours, Gillian, I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my God, I was so bad at my job. Yeah. And I was like, it's so bad that I was employed to, to work there. And I remember you saying in the book, that period of your life felt like university and it did for me mm -hmm. because I I went to university I grew up in London then I went down to Bournemouth where there was like two gay people and mm -hmm. then came out and I was like what have I done this for I'm stuck <laughs> yeah. here for three years I could have been in London so I used to just come back to London uh -huh. the whole time but then I left uni and MTV basically was my university yeah. because it was like it was a really free place, wasn't it? Like it, was it was really, really fun. Yeah. And also when I when I talked to people who used to work there, and I was like, that's so bad, I'd go in MySpace. And they were like, don't worry, the bosses were insane. Like, it wasn't <laughs> just you. I was like, no. oh, yeah, that's true, actually. Like, everyone was quite free it was, in there, should we say. It was. I remember being pulled in to this meeting with where it was like, you're young, um, <laughs> What should we what should we do? Like being shut in a glass room and being like <laughs> yeah. me and six other people like 21 or whatever. Uh, I used to assist all the, the graphic designers who'd come up with all the graphics and, you know, had to just get pens, get coffees, um, and then research like colours. Yes. And things like that. So I did love it. Um I really did love it, but I think I was really terrible at my my job but you were very brazen with your naughtiness like I remember just being like I was so the opposite end of the spectrum I was like if I work really hard then I'll be able to like do something more like uh -huh. I used to stay in the office till 11 at night yeah like, they sat me down and said you need to stop doing stop. and then I read your book and I'm like oh they're all in the holy arms around the corner that's it <laughs> <laughs> why didn't I do that that would have been way more fun <laughs> instead I was like filing things and... but I guess when you're in production you had like a tight schedule the shows on this is to be done yes whereas i was like sort of picking like the you know helping someone pick the color of a font for a graphic that might be used uh, yeah i remember on my first 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 day i they said they were literally like i don't know what to do with you so order just order some stationery oh yeah i loved ordering stationery. well there was this online portal where you went mm. to order stationery and it was like bubble envelopes and i was like how many bubble envelopes do we need 20 yeah. And I was like, and then some A4 card envelopes, another 20. And then I was like, little, little, you know, tiny envelopes. I was like, probably 100. Yeah. I was ordering boxes, not individual. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this pile, this, these guys turned up. We had four desks that would, all, that would all face away from each other. And they filled the entire space between all the desks with all this stationery I'd ordered. A thousand envelopes. Like, oh. Literally a thousand envelopes. And they're like, <laughs> who's done it? Well, actually, what was really nice is no one gave a shit. They were so nice if you yeah, fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, it was... It, it was really interesting reading about your time there because the one thing I hadn't realised was that you didn't know anyone when you came to London. No. Because you were so, like, full of personality and seemed really happy that I thought you just knew everyone and had done forever. No, I didn't know anyone. I moved, I was, I finished uni and um, I, was, I was really rubbish at uni. Um, I did the wrong degree. Mm. My dad wanted me to do a serious job, like be a lawyer yeah. or be a doctor. Yeah. And I wanted to be on the radio. So he was very adamant that I do a proper degree. And then if it doesn't happen, the radio, at least you've got a good degree. Yes. Sound advice. I like it. But I couldn't understand 
50 to 80% of my degree because it was business studies and it was like macroeconomics and I can't even write a phone number down. Like, I don't understand numbers. So I was doing, I reset macroeconomics seven times. Whoa. And I was getting things like 11%. I was like, it was getting worse and I'd reset it and it'd be like 9%. I'm like, how can it be less? We're going backwards here. It was so bad. So I, I did, failed that. And then I was like, right, well, I've definitely got to make this radio thing happen because yeah. the business career in accountancy is not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I ended up working at like a, a plug-in company in Manchester who um, basically were the intermediate company between record labels and artists and, and radio. So I'd work there, assisting there and helping the office. I had a very junior role there. And then when that ended, I was I was just basically desperate to get to London. So I applied for every single job in London, Channel 4, MTV, ITV, Radio 1, everywhere for every single internship. And I just knew I just needed to be in London to be closer to, to radio. And I was very specific about wanting to do Radio 1. Mm. So... I got the job interview for MTV and they said, yeah, you've got the interview, but I'd applied for like 12 jobs at MTV. So when I was going to the interview, I didn't even know which role it was oh because I'd God. applied for everything. And I went down, got the job, and then I was like, oh shit, I've got nowhere to live. So friends, friends, I say friends, I'd met them once. Um, I'd interviewed uh, these two girls, Mairead and Tabitha. You know Mairead and Tabitha, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and they were DJs at the time called Queens and Noise. Yeah. And they used to do a club night and a column in the enemy. Yes. And everyone used to want to go to their club night. And they had a show on MTV as well. They did, didn't um, Which they? was sort of like their chaotic weekend. And they'd, you know, hang out with the Strokes or something. Yeah. And uh, they... Uh, were friends on MySpace with me. So I was messaging them and saying, I'm going to move to London. Where should I live? And I did a deal where I got to live in Tabitha's flat for free. Yeah. Um, if I did flyer in for their club night and did the door. Mm. And they had gone to live in Mexico. So when I moved, I knew no one. I had a place to live, had a job, but genuinely, yeah, didn't know anyone. The only two people that I knew were now in Mexico. And then we moved out. I moved down and made friends with with uh people that i'm still friends with now like mm. um anna barnett and jillian and i think i met jills on the monday and by friday i was like i should just move into yours <laughs> i think i think it's better than living in tabitha's flat on my own so i think i'll just move in that's so i was sort of crashing at hers by the friday that's amazing but i was like 21 so like at 21 you're like yeah i'll stay at this random lady's house yeah i know it's different times. it's different times isn't it but <laughs> but i you know i felt really bad actually reading that because it's like i i would have loved to have helped you do you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean i feel like we i was having this slight conversation with tom allen the other week because mm -hmm. he was we were talking about being queer and going places on your own trying to work out what the fuck is going on and like he was like wouldn't it be lovely if we'd all just been able to connect i.e if there was instagram like yes. you know you just had to do it all on your own and yeah. i and you were just there and we didn't ever really at that time i don't think people acknowledged they were gay no openly right no. i mean you sort of did you sort of did but i think at that age even at 21 i'd feel conscious of saying like my boyfriend in yeah, the yeah, office, yeah, I'd have yeah, said yeah, it. I don't yeah, think yes. I would have said it. No. And I don't know if that was an age thing of confidence or if it was a, a cultural thing, or maybe a bit of both. Well, the thing that I remember, and, th and, and, and this is not a criticism of that place because I loved it there, but I think, like, I just remember there was a 
there was also an atmosphere of like that person's gay, like a bit of a witch yeah. hunty vibe. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you wouldn't necessarily the gay one. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And we would oh, yeah. like, and this is what I love about MTV now because <laughs> they these people pop up everywhere, mm-hmm. and more and more of them are out now. Mm-hmm. So like, you'll be in like a club, and you'll see someone like, "Gay, hi!" <laughs> and um, it's sort of it's really nice. But that there wasn't like a solidarity among queer people there. Mm. At all, right? No, I don't, I don't think, think you there and I was, ever talked no. about it. No, it was definitely not talked about. I don't. Isn't think, that odd no. though? It's really weird. Yeah, but you Very would. Odd. It, one would. You would go out and try and pull people and go on dates and all of that, but you wouldn't have any sense of community. I suppose no, even in somewhere as liberal as MTV, as like, MTV in Camden. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, it's sad, really. You have to remember, I suppose that like. Yes, people were out, but you could not... Who would you have gone to in HR to say, I'm having a problem with someone being homophobic to me or mm-hmm. something? I d- that wouldn't have been a conversation, right? No. It, not to say they wouldn't have done something about it. Yeah. But you just... It wasn't like a thing that would happen. No. But you also spoke about... Because, you know, we were all going out a lot. You spoke about how actually you were really unhappy at that time as well. Mm. And was that to do with your queerness as well, do you think? I think so. I think it was me coming to terms with it. And I think maybe the transition of, of basically coming into myself a bit. Mm. Whereas before, you know, I'd I'd lived at mom and dad's house or I'd been at school and been around homophobia or homophobic comments. And this was the first time I felt, oh, maybe I can actually be myself now because I'm, I'm here and I'm like earning my own money and paying my own rent and stuff. So I think I was coming into my own, Mm. but also finding that really daunting as well. Like when I look back at it, I think at the time I thought I was like really happy and really confident. And then when I look back, I think, oh, maybe you weren't as happy and as confident. I think that confidence was like, like me, like me, let me people please. So you like me and then maybe I like myself or something. I don't know. I think there was a lot of that at hand. I think I wanted to feel wanted and included. Like all the stuff I didn't feel at school, basically, Mm. I think. And I think moving away, even though I was 21, it sort of makes you feel like you've gone to a new school. Yeah. Like that finding your place and your fitting and... Well, it's yeah, because context is everything, isn't it? Because I, you know, I sort of experienced you as like this person who was great fun, and and I was like, oh, well, he must be fine. Mm. You know what I mean? But <laughs> he's fine. He's actually drunk. <laughs> he's asleep. He's asleep in his chair he's in front asleep. of MySpace. Is he all right? <laughs> but but I suppose actually, what you, you don't, and you are a very magnetic person. Everybody loves you. You know, like you can chat to anybody. Like if I would, if you were to put you on like a train platform, you'd immediately start talking to the person next to you. I do like a chat. Yeah. You, you love a chat. And I suppose mm-hmm. that is implies somebody who is okay with themselves. Mm. But then actually th- what you realize, I feel that I have done is like, I've gone to myself inside. Well, if you're gay, that is already a, a sort of a notch down you've taken yourself. So you need to make sure that everything else about you is very likable. Yeah. At your own expense, actually. And you end up doing things that you're like, I don't want to do this because you're just like, as long as everyone likes me, I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that in Mm. my um, formative years of just trying to get people to like me. Yeah. I don't know, in a way like, oh, they like me. Maybe I am all right. Yes. I don't know. It's like the years of thinking I wasn't all right or that I was othered. Yes. It sort of dissolves them, maybe. 
But do you feel like, I find it really odd, if you've had, if you've been lucky enough to have therapy or you've been lucky enough to have conversations about it, and ostensibly you are the same person and I mm. think I am the same person. Yeah. So how do you monitor yourself when you're going back down those paths of like, oh, I'm just people pleasing again? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I do it less. Mm. I think I'm happily, I think I'm happy to say no and to do things my own way and to mm. not have to have a want and need to go out every single night of the week to be around people and to be yes. liked by people. Um, I was just telling you before we started recording this about DJing for Halloween. Yes. And when I finished DJing, I was like, okay, see you later. And mm. people were like, are you going? And I was like, yeah. Which I'd never, ever done. I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'll stay. Or right. or I'd, I'd always struggle when I was younger. How can I say I'm going home? Or how can, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to go home, to be fair. But mm. I, I would have always wanted to, always wanted to people, please. Yes. And I do like pleasing people obviously, but in a really different way. It's also really nice. It's really nice to do yeah. it. So I like pleasing people when I'll say, come over and I'll cook. Yes. But that's nice for me too. You know, yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. Whereas before, I think I would have done things that I didn't want to do or go to places I didn't want to go just to feel yeah. wanted. You you said this thing, which I thought was so interesting, which was, I'd never, I'd, I'll get it wrong, but you can correct me. Like, I'd never thought about considering how I felt about something. Never. What is that? I don't, I've no idea. I never thought about how sort of like relentless nights out. And I don't know if young people do from, you know, 16, yeah. when I started really going out to 27, 28, where I was like, wait, have you drank water or slept? <laughs> like I never thought about that. Yes. Ever. Yeah. And then I was like, first you'd be like, I wonder why I've got anxiety. It's like, yeah. maybe because you've been dehydrated for a decade and a half. <laughs> like, maybe. And so I'd never thought about that or how, you know, I'd never thought about myself. I never thought about others either. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't know if that was a young thing or if I was just a really terrible, selfish 20-year-old <laughs> where I'd never think, oh, it might be, you know, really bad to not go to someone's birthday. So it might be really bad to cancel on right. Chris when you said that you're going. Yeah. I'd, I, but I also would cancel on myself all the time. You know, I, I, yeah. was, I was not in a, a good place for myself or my friends, I don't think, when I was younger. But I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it was from being younger and in my years at school of, you know, people being homophobic yeah. and talking gays down. I was like, well, I'm a gay. So I was sort of talking my down on myself yeah you know so i think there's a lot of that going on hello um end of part one with grimmy uber eats has arrived has not disappointed spice kitchen and bar in uh burley i suppose but they're, no, they're not in burley where are they sort of gold coast um got dim sum with black vinegar mm. um so i'm loving this chat with grimmy part two is on the feed go and get it 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.